Assalamu alaikum, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to another episode of Remastered, hosted by me, Abdullahi Freeman. Today, we're going to be talking with a very special guest. But before we start everything, let me say Happy New Year, right? <laughs> we're now a part of the, uh, the Hijri has now uh, reached us, the new year of Muhar- new month of Muharram, right? The new Islamic calendar is here. This is what, 1445 or 46? 45. It's 45. 45. Okay. Yes. 1445. All right. I got it right. <laughs> so we'll be talking with a very special guest, brothers and sisters. Let me uh, introduce our guest and our distinguished brother, Dr. Hisham Abdullah. Dr. Hisham was born and raised in Alexandria, Egypt. He has a bachelor's and master's in pharmacy from University of Alexandria, as well as uh, coming to the U.S. in 1984 as a grad student. He, had, he received his Ph.D. from the uh, University of Arizona. He worked briefly for the FDA, and he worked for a number of other pharmaceutical companies. He's uh, also, in addition to his secular studies, is a student of Sharia, of comparative fiqh. And he's been with Mass since 1993 at the individual levels, locally and as well as nationally. So, Dr. Isham, let me give you the warmest of assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Pleased to be here, and thank you for the kind introduction. Alhamdulillah. So like I said, this is a, the new year, you know, brothers and sisters. So I, w- I wonder, Dr. Hisham, should we start making like New Year's resolutions as Muslims? <laughs> For the history, <laughs> Actually, <we have> the- <laughs> you know, I think by, by all means, you know, it's a good, it's a good uh, station to, to do so. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, he says in uh, Surah Al-Hashr, you know, yeah. that, you know mm-hmm. have this gut consciousness and make sure that you... Uh, you plan what you are going to put forth for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And this tomorrow could be next year. It could be eternity, well, inshallah. Sure. So it's really, well, it is an encouraged uh, principle or, or concept in Islam to do uh, resolutions from, you know, on different stations in our lives and, and you know, circular uh, again uh, as well in, in like New Year's, New Ramadan and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So maybe that's, in fact, maybe we should just make this whole episode or the next episode about doing Hijri resolutions. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We just say, well, we're going to do everything. Hopefully you guys keep it. Because, in fact, you guys will keep it because you'll say, inshallah, right? We'll keep it. Yes. But (laughs) we're going to be talking about uh, a very special day inside of this very special month. So quick background on the month of Muharram, right? You know, it's uh, Muharram is the first of the Islamic calendar, of the Hijri calendar, which was uh, made to distinguish after we made Hijra from Mecca to Medina, right? Now, the Muharram, uh, some scholars say, is the most sacred of the four sacred months, right? Now, the four sacred months are Muharram, it's uh, Rajab, Dhul Qaeda, and Dhul Hijjah, right? So we kind of have a back-to-back because Dhul Hijjah just passed, people did the Hajj, and when they were crafting how to make the calendar, people were debating, okay, the companions came. I believe it was during the, uh, uh, the Khilafat of uh, Umar Khattab, right? And yes. they were like, okay, do we make it the Hijri after Revelation was sent down? Do we make it after the death of the Prophet wasallam, or do we make it after Hijra? So Umar said after Hijra. And then, if I'm not mistaken, Uthman, عنه, who is the one who suggested Muharram should be the first month, and they all agreed because Muharram comes right after Hajj, and you know, after Hajj, your sins are forgiven, and basically a new person. So this is a very special month, you know. But as time passes, we kind of like maybe forget these narrations, unfortunately, or don't really know the significance. And since we live in like a mainly Western-dominated global society, 
you kind of like lose the outlook as time passes by. But that's just something I think we should keep in mind and bring back forward. You know, like Dr. Hisham, is there anything you want to add to add to like that? Just a little salvo right there. It's a beautiful introduction. Jazakallah khair. Uh, yes, oh, yeah. month of Muharram is uh, is a sacred month, and, and I I love this uh, the concept of the new beginning after Hajj. You know, like you know when, when you go through Hajj, even though like uh, maybe like a person one one in th- one in a thousand Muslims only makes it makes it to Hajj every year so, nowadays. Oh, you know, but still the entire yeah. Ummah feels this uh, or should feel this uh, this sense of renewal. So that's mm-hmm. great. Jazakallah khair. Thank you for bringing this up. No, Yaakum, it's, it's, it's definitely, I, I remember it was during Hajj and they showed the video of all the uh, judge everybody about to go for Hajj and like, I was like, subhanAllah, my heart just like, it was like, ah, I have to be there. Well, like, I was like, I have to be there. Like, I, I can't be where I am right now. I need to be in the, 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 the Masjid Al-Haram, you know? Right. Have you, you made Hajj before, Doc? Yes, Alhamdulillah, 2001. Oh, and um the, the, the there's a beautiful saying by um, attributed to Imam Al Ghazali, uh, the Imam Al Ghazali from the fifth century, not this uh, this, this recent uh, Sheikh Muhammad Al Ghazali. He said that there may be someone. You know, you just reminded me of this when you said, "I wish I was there," because he said there may be a man in Khurasan, in like you know some part you know beyond uh, Persia, who's closer to the. The, the haram closer to the Kaaba than the people circumambulating it or the people there. Mm. And it, it's that feeling, you know, that your heart is there while your body is thousands of miles away. So, and, and we need, you know, it, it's it's beautiful to have that feeling. And and it gets renewed every time you, uh, you know, turn on the TV and see or, or the computer and see a picture of the Kaaba or people performing Umrah or Hajj. Yes, it's a, it's a beautiful spiritual connection that we have. What was that first month like? Because this is a great segue. What was that first month like? What was Muharram like, if you remember, after you came back from Hajj, that first month? You know, what was that like? Um, it, it's, it's just, it, it's indescribable. I mean, when you when you try to internalize the, the, what you just did and what the promise that was associated with it is like, you know, my, I'm... I'm it's just now I'm 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 a new person. I just got reborn, right? Not in any kind of weird sense, but it's like you know, I this is a rebirth for me. I am new, like a kid. I have hopefully, hopefully, I have done the right thing and I've made the right tauba and I have a clean slate. And now, okay, what am I going to do to keep it clean? It, it's it's profound. Subhanallah! Only imagine, only yeah. only imagine, like. Just that that feeling, just feeling clean again. Like, I mean, I know it's not like clean. Like, it's, it's deeper than that. I was gonna use an analogy of like when you take a shower, how you feel when you get out of the shower. But it's probably it's way deeper than that. Alhamdulillah. Oh, no, no, it's it's so deep. Inshallah, inshallah, you'll experience it soon. But inshallah, inshallah. But so, right, let me let me ask you this, right? It, it, briefly, can you? Well, let me also explain this as well. Inside of this special month is a very special day. Now, I think it's, it's hadith that's mutafaqun uh, alayhi, right? Mm-hmm. That um, is in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. So it's yes. 100% authentic, right? And it's about the Prophet wasallam when he came to Medina and he came across the Jews and they were fasting, right? And he asked them, well, why are you guys fasting? Like, what's the reason? So they told him, they said, well, today's the commemorate a special day. And this is a special day in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved by Musa alayhi salam and Bani Israel from Fir'aun. Right, so they said Musa alayhi salam fasted this day as a thanks to Allah, you know, and we fast this day in commemoration. 
So the Prophet sallallahu told the Muslimin, you know, basically, we're closer to Musa than the uh, uh, Yahuds <laughs> are, the Jewish people are. So we should fast this day, you know. So then we started fasting this day. And if I'm not mistaken, Dr. Isham, was it the same day that the Jews fasted until uh, uh, it had got switched to a, the tenth of uh, Muharram? Um, what 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 do you mean? It's it's the the day of Ashura, right? It's the tenth day of Muharram. So the the calendar in the in the in the lunar calendar, uh, mm-hmm. there are no details whether you know Jews at the time in. In, in Arabia actually followed a an uncorrected lunar calendar or they actually mm-hmm. did the same correction that they do now adding you know a month every some every time to kind of keep it keep the seasons also not just uh, so that let that like the you know for example that that um, uh, their holidays would fall within the same season. So like Yom Kippur comes in the fall, uh, Passover comes in the spring, etc. So they adjust the calendar. Uh, of course, we stick to the to the lunar calendar um, largely because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala told us in the Quran that you know the months are twelve since the creation of the heavens and earth, and there are you know there is there are four of them that are the sacred months or the Al Ashur Al Harum, and and we stick with that and we don't alter, we don't. Uh, uh, Correct our lunar calendar. So there may have been some difference in in what they consider the tenth of Muharram, or we consider the tenth of Muharram. But that's I don't think it's 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 uh, um, well established, or it's even you know material for the discussion we're having today. Okay. Alhamdulillah, you know. But tenth of Muharram is Ashura. Now is Ashura. Ashura is notable for. Uh, Different reasons, but we're going to talk about the first half, uh, just with uh, Musa alayhi salam and Bani Israel. Yes. Um. So briefly, uh, uh, Doctor, can you explain the story of Musa alayhi salam and them escaping from Fir'aun, right? Because you have uh, 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 this group of people that came. Mashallah, like the thing that's so beautiful with Islam and the Quran itself, right? We have the story. You know, most people may say, well, how did the how did they, the Bani Israel, get to Egypt in the first place? Right. We have the beautiful story of Yusuf. We Bani have the Quran, exactly. Absolutely. It, it details, like, okay, this is how they end up there, and then yeah. eventually this is that. But could you just briefly explain this story of Musa, alayhi salam, and eventually them escaping from, by the will of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, from Fir'aun? Yeah, so um, the, 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 the story, of course, like you said, it began from the time of Sayyidina Yusuf, alayhi salam, when he became the the you know the the grand the aziz of egypt or the prime minister if you will in, in in modern terms and he um he ordered his people to come uh, uh to egypt and it's so it's told i mean different numbers are given whether it was like 70 people or 100 people or hundreds of people so uh, he told his brothers go and bring all your you know all your family uh, uh to egypt and and he opened egypt to 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 the the the, uh, the the migrants saying you know that khulu misra inshallah aminin come in Egypt and, and get in 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 peace hundred you know centuries passed and dynasties changed uh, who ruled Egypt and so on and then Bani Israel became a an, an oppressed minority because that was uh, the the this is was how Pharaoh how how you know Pharaoh ruled Egypt. 
And Fir'aun is a title, by the way. It's not. It's Fir'aun is the title of the king of Egypt since the time from after Sayyidina Yusuf salam. So mm. Fir'aun is, uh, uh, that's what he did. Yes, he ja'ala ahlaha shi'an. He's like, you know, he he divided people into classes or, my, or you know, categories or sects or whatever. And, and then he oppressed some of them. So he oppressed the, you know, for example, the the, the people who were uh, from from the descendants of Bani Israel. That's what we know from from the Quran as a fact. So while they were technically not enslaved, they were actually put to work with minimum or no pay. They were oppressed, and not only that. And then when Pharaoh received some uh, a prophecy from from his uh, his, his religious, uh, you know, uh, priest Advisor. saying that, oh, there are, there's going to be uh, someone who comes from Bani Israel who's going to destroy your, uh, your, your throne or, you know, you know, take, take you down and so on and so forth. Though so he started to actually even to started to kill the males uh, born to Bani Israel and the historic accounts say he did this uh, uh, every other year. So he can still have enough, you know, uh, uh, manpower, if you will. So it was. Uh, it was a, a, a very harsh and very miserable. It's it's like uh, the, the 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 Egyptians looked to the uh, Israel uh, to the uh, you know Bani Israel as their slaves, even though like technically they were never you know uh, um, slave in in actual slavery slavery. But the uh, they were they lived in bondage. They were you know they worked. Um, uh, with with little or no pay, as I said, and they were, uh, you know, oppressed in in every imaginable way. They had no voice. They had no uh, services from the, even though you know, like the Egyptian state was known to take care, take very good care of of its citizens. Historically, there are historic accounts to say that, to suggest that. But the Bani Israel were treated uh, um, harshly and with with a great deal of oppression and injustice. So. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Musa alayhi salam to deliver Bani Israel or to save them from the uh, um, under from, from this you know oppression of Pharaoh and take them out of Egypt. So that's the original plan. The original plan was not that Sayyidina Musa, you know, went going to Pharaoh and say, you know, uh, uh, you have to believe and everybody has to believe and Bani Israel will live here as equal citizens. That wasn't the plan because the Quran said, you know, in 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 Inna Rasula Rabbika Fa'arsil Ma'ana Bani Israel. Yani the, the the original mission was to go to Pharaoh, Musa and Harun salam, his his brother, and to go and say, Take Bani Israel, give us Bani Israel, just allow us to leave, just let us go. You don't need to do anything more. But in order to do so, you have to acknowledge that we are not coming here to negotiate politically or to say, you know, we're gonna do some uh, some some deal here? No, we are coming from Rabbil Alameen. We are so it's like you know the the approach is to go to Pharaoh who had declared himself to be the highest lord, to say we are coming from your lord as messengers, and what you have to do is we you have to give us Bani Israel so that we can take them back to the where they came from and they establish their their community out there. So that is the, the the that was the message when Pharaoh ref, refused and he became more arrogant. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala sent him some reminders. 
you know, water turning into blood, insects over all over the place, frogs invading, you know, the the the, the place and so on. In addition, of course, to the miracles that Musa Ali showed in terms of the the hand and the and the staff, you know, or the the stick that turns into an actual uh, snake, etc. So he resisted all that and he rejected all that. So the the plan was okay. Let's let's now uh, um, in secret let's gather and let's go and um, you know just make our trip outside of Egypt. And uh, we probably know that that Pharaoh, of course, found out and uh, he he pursued them with his army until Allah Subhanahu wa Taala decreed that Musa alayhi salam strike the sea or the the, the body of water mm-hmm. that was split. And stood, you know, the water stood like huge mountains. Bani Israel and Musa salam, they, you know, uh, they passed. And Pharaoh was in, in his arrogance and his kind of foolishness. Oh, he just said, oh, yeah, there, there is a, here's, here's a, here's a path here. We can just, uh, you know, uh, uh, follow them. So they followed them. And of course, water came to its nature to, to flow back, mm-hmm. came back to its nature. And Pharaoh and his army were, were drowned. And that well, that was the, uh, the 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 story of how Allah Subhanahu wa Taala saved Bani Israel from Pharaoh. You know, the, the story itself is like Subhanallah, like just the just the prophecy of hey, this is going to happen, right? Qadrullah and Musa, I mean, Fir'aun thinking that he could just defeat this, right? <laughs> he, he just because I keep thinking about that ayat in uh, Surah Naziat, Ba'udu Billahi Min Shaitan Rajim. Qala Anna Rabbukum Ala, right? Like I'm the Lord Most High, right? He, he this is his. Like that's the line in history forever. <laughs> like it's written yeah, forever. Exactly. Like you said this. This is attributed to you, right? Mm-hmm. And just to see how he did these things to try to prevent uh, 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 what would eventually would have happened that would happen, you know. And just to, if we can like the lesson we can extract from that as Muslimin, you know, briefly, Doc, if you could talk about how maybe it's best if we see that signs from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala are indicating to something how we we, we shouldn't necessarily try to fight it but more so we should embrace it and see what's to happen right because you know a lot of the times we may think we can determine everything that will happen in life and how we want certain things to go but sometimes not even sometimes qadr allah is just it will happen flat you know you know when when we 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 have to look into the, the 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 psychology of a tyrant right and try to in ourselves to to completely avoid that kind of psychology because a tyrant thinks that he is entitled to what he has so Pharaoh thought that he is the greatest because he is the greatest because he deserves that Qarun who was the wealthiest man of among Bani Israel he thought that all the wealth that he has was because of some knowledge he has, or when when he was reminded, he said, "No, I'm I'm entitled to this. This is mine. I earned this." And there's a general statement about human in 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 general in the Quran that also that he says, you know, in You know, when when you remind someone who is a super rich and you say, you know, this is Allah has given you this. Allah has given you this as a you are a conduit to take this. That Allah has given you and do with it with it what Allah would love you to do. I, you know, uh, um, spend it in the right cause and share it with people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then, 
the Quran says the human has a tendency to say, no, no, I, I did this myself. This is all my learning. Mm -hmm. This is all my, you know, skill. This is all my, you know, genius. So mm -hmm. it, that is the form of blindness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cast on the, not the basar, not the, the vision, but the basira. Was like the the, the insight of of, of of this a person a person who is who who is very basically arrogant. So when when we reflect on this, so if Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given has given you or, or or me or anybody any kind of a special gift, you know, super genius or mm -hmm. super wealthy or even just a little wealthy, you know, I mean, a few thousand here or there or whatever. Um, think of it as Allah has given this to you as a test, not as not because you deserve it, not because you're entitled, not because you're so, you're, you're, you know, beloved, more beloved to him than, you know, X, Y, or Z of, of, of your fellow humans, but this Allah is testing you with this. What do you do with it now? You do like Uthman ibn Affan did. You do like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Abu like uh, Abdul, Abu Bakr Siddiq did. Even he had just the limited wealth, but he was the most generous. Uh, you do like Abdul Rahman ibn Auf did. You like mm -hmm. the wealthiest of the Sahaba and how they actually, they tell you like this uh, Zubair ibn al-Awan, for example, he was so wealthy but he never had to pay zakah at the time of zakah because he was always paying. It was like, you know, he he would get millions and then end up with nothing because he just uses whatever he needs and whatever, you know, he lives decently with his uh, him and his family. And and, and he distributes the, the rest, you know, and, and invests it in the right place and so on and so forth. So that's the, the lesson that we should... You know, we should learn from basically from the arrogance and the, the stupidity of the tyrants. It's like you never should allow yourself to feel this. Oh, this is mine because I because I'm so special because I deserve it. You, you know, Doc, let's in fact, that was actually something I wanted to tap into. And in fact, can we dive into that more? Because the next ayat after uh, is what uh, Right? And it says, Allah says that we've made you an example, right? Yeah. So can we talk about what is the profile exactly? Can we go into the psychology of like the profile of a tyrant and somebody who is maybe ultra wealthy or somebody who has what people call like a God complex? You know, they feel they have everything. They feel they're the person. Um, I... I I think I don't think that happens overnight. I think it's it's gradual. It has to do with in internal factors or intrinsic factors and extrinsic factors as well. So intri intrinsically or internally, this person is oblivious of the fact that nothing happens in this universe in this ex entire existence except with the will of Allah, including that, oh, Allah has made me so smart, you know, or Allah has given me so much wealth. You know, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf, they were, you know, he was so, he was asked, you know, how, how come you're so wealthy? He said, I don't know. I, I almost like I lift a rock and I found money and, you know, I found like wealth underneath it. It's like Allah has given me this. So this is one person who absolutely recognized, acknowledged that this is from Allah. 
And if that person doesn't have the, the iman and doesn't have the, the humility to know that this is a test from Allah rather than something he is given because he is, you know, يَقُولُ رَبِّ أَكْرَمًا يعني He is like, okay, even if he acknowledged the existence of Allah, he said, Allah is treating me, you know, in this special way because of who I am. So these are this is the, the intrinsic factor is to feel entitled. So it's feel entitled to uh, people have to stand up to, to you know for you and bow and give you all you know like because you're so special. So that's the kind of the intrinsic factor in absence of true iman that will protect you from this will instill humility in your heart. And the extrinsic factor is the people who are around him that will actually kind of you know flame or or fan the flame of arrogance in his own heart by saying, oh, you're so special, you're so good, you know, uh, Allah must love you because he, he uh, you know, has given you so much. And I'm talking about people who even acknowledge that, you know, there is a, there is a, a, a God and there's Allah that he gives you, you know, things and so on. So let alone somebody who doesn't believe, right? But even if someone still in principle believes in Allah, says Allah loves you so much and that's why he has given you all this and because you deserve it and if he didn't love you he wouldn't give you and you actually just do whatever you want you know so he then the third you know no, as a result of of, of all the buildup of, of arrogance in the person's heart and the people actually you know like uh as we say kissing up to him you know or whatever mm-hmm. uh then he feels that he has absolute power he, that he doesn't have to consult anybody and, and you can you can actually see from the dialogue between Fir'aun and, and the people around him and, and he's actually you know pretending to to make a, a shura with them it's like mother you know yani, uh, in, in illa sahirun alim yuridu an min ardikum bisihri ta'murun you know it's like this is really a a, a clever sorcerer, according, you know, to, to talking mm-hmm. about Musa, uh, he wants to expel you from your land. So, what do you think? What do you? Famada Ta'murun is like, you know, he is the guy. He's like so modest. He says, like, you know what? What do you command me to do, guys? You know, and of course, they all know that whatever they say, he's gonna do because he told them in another in another uh, uh, verse that illa I'm, I only guide you to the path of. Rashad, the path of success and guidance mm. and guidance and so on. So that's kind of the psychology of a. Uh, you can see it in a someone who was uh, the head of a corporation, you know, for too long, or someone who was the head of state for too long, or someone who just uh, captured, you know, state, you know, uh, the 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 position by uh, by a coup or something, and then it's like, okay, I'm here, you know, you can't help it, but. The responsibility is not only on him, the responsibility is on the people around him as well. Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Fir'aun, how did he become that tyrant? He says, Surah Al-Zukhruf, that he, he made light of his people, he didn't consider them, he looked down upon them, but and they obeyed him. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't conclude this ayah by saying, oh, he's such a bad guy. No, he said, innahum, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, innahum kanu qawman fasiqin. They, indeed, they were people, 
they, they were they were you know wicked they were rich they were people who were uh who's not following the guidance so he put a large part of the blame on the people around Fir'aun, not on Fir, not only on Fir'aun himself so that's kind of the some of the psychology behind it subhanallah is very yeah, interesting and no, am, ahead, amateur I... amateur amateur psychology i'm not a psychologist <laughs> so i can't claim that. no but it's, it's interesting to see because it's very like you know the internal factor of you giving yourself that uh internal uh counseling right and then the reinforcement of the people around you you know i was recently reading a book by dr malik badri Allah, and oh, it was about he was uh uh translating uh uh Another scholar, Zaid al-Belki, I think it's Belki. Al-Belki. Trans- yeah, one of his books about yes. cognitive science and things of that nature. But it's talking about uh, one of the factors and remedies that uh, al-Belki was talking about for like waswas, right? Obsessive mm-hmm. thoughts and things of that nature was to give yourself a internal talking, positive reinforcement, right? Uh, 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 thinking about Allah in a positive manner, talking to yourself positively, reinforcing this is just a phase, things will be fine. And then going to get the external counseling, maybe whether from counseling or hearing some preaching, something of that nature, that words to also reinforce that as well, right? Because it, the, the I forget, it was a psychoneuroimmunology, I think was the term, oh. where basically <laughs> the- a big word. It's a, it's a mouthful, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's basically yeah. about how like your thoughts impact the immune system, right? So if you believe that if I give you this pill when you're sick, placebo effect, you take it, it's like, oh yeah, it's fine. Now, I'm saying all this to say this, right? We see the uh, impact of words and your community uh, on an individual, right? The inside and the outside. So let's talk about the flip of it now. So can we talk about the psychology of somebody like Musa, who is the opposite of Fir'aun? Yes. So, well, first first and foremost, Musa received direct wahi from Allah. Mm-hmm. So that that has to be you know front and center that he was Allah's messenger. Mm-hmm. But Subhanallah, yani, uh, uh, if we talk about psychology, he is Allah's messenger. He knows when when they were stuck in front of the the ocean, in front of the sea, or the the body of water, and the the, the Bani Israel were freaking out, just saying, "Oh, we're we're khalas, khalas, we're doomed in la mudrakun, we're." Will be captured, and he had this confidence and calm, and he said, "Kalla inna ma'ya Rabbi sayahdin." I have my Lord is with me; He is going to guide me. You know, so he, you know, again, he's a prophet; he's a messenger. He knows Allah will will protect him, whether whether or not Allah Subhanahu wa Taala had revealed to him that yes, you are going to get out of this. He still had this confidence. So, you know, lesson number one psychologically speaking, is that like, okay, we will find ourselves in a, in a very tough situation. And then we say, Allah is with me, my Lord is with me, he will guide me. Whether that means that he will get me out of the situation in this life and, and I go free or I get rid of the situation or Allah say, this is the will of Allah that this is my shahada coming to me. This is my mm-hmm. martyrdom coming to me, and that's still good for me, because mm-hmm. because Allah is with me. He's He's gonna guide me. So whichever, once we put our our faith and our faith in Allah, the, in on the hands of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, then 
you know, any outcome is good for us, even though, even if it means our own, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, demise or our own mm-hmm. death or anything, you know, happen, bad happening, bad, you know, in quotes. So this is item number one. However, if you look at the, also the psychology of Sayyidina Musa salam, when he went in the, to for the kind of the showdown with the with the magicians, with the sorcerers, and they threw their uh, they did their their thing, they did their magic, they threw the, the their staffs and their their ropes, and they people started you know imagining that these were uh, snakes and so on. Um, Sayyidina, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, al Musa." In Surah Taha, that you know what Musa alayhi salam got a little afraid at that point. Mm-hmm. Is is you know and 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 this is again the yeah, Subhanallah is so beautiful because he's the messenger of Allah, but he's still a human. He's still mm-hmm. a human being, and therefore at that moment, he he just had this little you know passing fear in his in his heart mm-hmm. when. In another ayat, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's, he, he wants to complete the picture, he, he spoke with ultimate confidence, and he told the magicians, مَا جِئْتُمْ بِهِ السِّحْرِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ سَيُبْطِلُهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُصْلِحُ عَمَلَ الْمُفْسِدِينَ That what you've come with is just pure, it's just mere magic. This is not real. Allah will will annihilate, or, or invalid, will, will invalidate it, سَيُبْطِلُهُ so he will erase it because Allah will never make valid or make good the action of the mufsidin, the actions of the mischievous, the action of the corruptors. So a little bit of psychology here that he like, you know, is a little scared, a little concerned, not for himself, but like when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, go to Fir'aun, he says, yani, uh, uh, inni an I am... I, I am concerned. I'm a little scared, or not scared. I'm a little. I'm concerned that they would reject me and 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 not believe me. Mm-hmm. I I have I committed this. Uh, um, you know the 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 uh, when when Musa salam when he you know struck the the person and and the person you know died and mm-hmm. and so they 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 held this as a you know crime against him and I I'm I'm concerned if I, if they see me. Um, then you know they will kill me. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala here did two things to calm and and help Sayyidina Musa. First, he sent to Harun alayhi salam to be with him as a brother, and that's again that's another topic. You know, a brother mm-hmm. standing right next to him, working with him and helping him. And he also tells them, "Kalla, yani." While you are there talking to. Uh, to 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 Pharaoh, Allah will be with His power and His knowledge and His, you know, uh, guardian. Uh, uh, you know, He He will guard you there. Adam. So, feel fear not. Just go. Mm-hmm. Subhanallah. So the confidence and the human nature, the trust in Allah, and the concern that He may not do the job as Allah has, you know. Uh, intended for him to do so that is really uh, some psychological insight in Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam I'm sure there's no, a definitely. lot more I, I, 
let me just say this, uh, a disclaimer, right? We're not psychologists. This is no, just we're talking not. about the profiles <laughs> of these people before somebody reports it. Oh, I can, I can, people who are psychologists. I can here. think of a few, uh, a few, uh, a few brothers and sisters, especially that may be yeah. cringing or that. Oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's both of us, you know. Mashallah. But no, you beautifully stated it, and you know, it's like. Things, no matter the situation, how the story goes, it turns, it, it, it always boils down to like a few factors, right? And Tawakallah is one of them, right? Just relying upon Allah and just being confident Absolutely. that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will get you through this thing that you're going through, whatever it may be. Sometimes it's, I don't know, a fear of doing something. Sometimes it's you have to talk to the most powerful man in the world who has been killing your people historically, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. it's different factors. And was actually looking for it for you in particular. Was looking for you. You, and, you know, and, and then you go into his palace and tell him, I come from your Lord and you have to listen to me and you have to give Bani Israel to me to take them out of here. Yeah. Exactly. Why being a fugitive? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's like subhanAllah, like, yeah. It, it, but let me, let's, so, Doc, what about this as aspect now, right? So, Bani Israel is in Egypt for all these, this time being, what, hundreds of years or however many years from Yusuf alayhi salam to hundreds, Musa alayhi yeah. salam. Hundreds Fair of years, say. right? So, Fair to say hundreds, roughly maybe seven, five, five to seven hundred years, yeah. You know, so it's like they, over time, they eventually, um, they get their mentality gets beat up, right? Because you see these traumatic things that happen. You know, you're not going to be as maybe uh, as much zeal necessarily to do certain things just because what you're used to, what you're used to seeing. And that, of course, probably factored into the way they gave Musa alayhi salam headaches, right? Also, I think just because they're from the continent of Africa, people from that continent will give you headaches. <laughs> but that's a story from a different day, right? But if we could talk about, like, you know, how can we relate these experiences of Bani Israel as immigrants to modern day immigrants? Like just being in a land that's different, coming from a, a, a bad situation to another land or just leaving, right? What What is that like to, to compare the two? Uh, so, I, I mean, Bani Israel came to Egypt or whomever from Bani Israel that came to Egypt, they came for a, a, a promise. Mm -hmm. The promise is, Misra, The promise was, come here, you are going to get into Egypt in total safety and security. You are welcomed here by Yusuf السلام, as the head of the, the state at the time or the prime minister of, the, of Egypt. And... You know, there is not, there isn't any like um, reliable accounts about how they, how they, 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 you know, lived in Egypt and so on and so forth. However, what happened over the centuries that you know, if if we get the timing right, if we get the timeline right, that where Sayyidina Yusuf was in about two, two about eighteen hundred BC, roughly, mm -hmm. and that was a, a peak of the strength of the Egyptian state. Mm -hmm. And the king was still not called Pharaoh because that's a later, uh, and that's why the Quran says the king, he doesn't say Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. So the, the Egypt was at peak, very rich, very powerful, very well-run society and so on. Even though, you know, so you, you, can, you can tell that the, 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 the kings got this gift from Allah, whether or not he was a believer, but the king got this gift from Allah saying, 
you know, here's what here's these these cows that the the weak, you know, the 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 slim ones or the emaciated ones are killing mm-hmm. the healthy ones, they're eating mm-hmm. them and so on. So Allah sent Sayyidina Yusuf to to help, you know, the the, the situation in Egypt. And Egypt started being very powerful, very stable for a few centuries. The approximate timeline, and again here, you know, you're you're mixing history with tafsir and so on, but that's okay if you do it not believing 100% that what I'm saying is true. It's just as approximate, right? Mm -hmm. So the time of Fir'aun, at the time of Sayyidina Musa, was the beginning or or a little bit after the start of the decline of the of the Egyptian state of the the mm. ancient Egypt at the time of the you know 19th or 20th dynasty as the historians you know classify the, the dynasties that have that ruled Egypt so is it that you know uh pharaoh and the seers of pharaohs wanted to justify their uh their failure in militarily and economically and so on by blaming this minority you know it's like does that take us to our uh, to our current uh, uh, times that you know mm-hmm. uh, you look at all these uh, anti-immigrant uh, movements in, in in different places in uh, in particularly in Europe it's it's much much uglier in in, in certain places than it is in other mm-hmm. in others and what people are going to say you know once you once the job market is tight and the economy is not going well okay blame who are you going to blame you can't blame the you know the the predominant uh, ethnicity or the predominant race or whatever right you know what i mean like it's like mm. oh blame the immigrants or blame this yeah. minority you know the blame yeah. the you know blame the people of color blame mm. you know wh- whoever right the people of bani israel in that case so then maybe this maybe society was ready for that was being was made made ready for that so that they you know they 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 just saw these as oh these are the people here who can you know, can they work they're working for cheap they are doing our manual work they're taking our jobs and so on and so forth so community maybe was ready for that so uh, uh, the lesson to learn is integrate in society be vigilant for your rights don't let any the slightest abuse of of our rights to just pass without us standing up to it and i think this is the lesson for us never never you know turn into uh you know uh, the the equivalent or the analogy of bani israel and to be looked as oh you're the reason why the things are not going well we're going to kick you out of the country like in uh, you know in the recent uh, in the recent elections in one of the Muslim worlds, the the, the, mm-hmm. the person in the opposition saying, "If I become president, I'm going to kick out all the immigrants." Mm-hmm. It was that blatant, right? Oh, it's just yeah. mind-boggling to actually see someone from a, a, an election campaign saying, "If I'm if I'm elected president, I'm going to kick out all the Im- immigrants." So oh, it it's it rings very very true for some of the stuff we are witnessing nowadays and we have to be vigilant so no, may Allah bless you know all of these organizations that are working to 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 you know that to to protect yeah. the civil rights of, of muslims and other minorities and so may Allah bless them and guide them is uh, we need that yeah. but we all need to be vigilant i mean i mean don't let it slide you know it, it's when it because you know we can get into all kinds of analogies between 
the time we're living here and the time of uh, Musa and uh, and the Pharaoh and uh, the status of the pharaonic pharaonic state and so on. So, but mm. it, maybe that's a topic for another time. We might dive into that a little bit, you know. But <laughs> one thing that's interesting <laughs> is that, like, uh, 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 yeah, Allah, what was about to say? What was I about to say? But oh, so question now: What would you say are as a community, what's maybe you would say one to three things that we as Muslims should take from the day of Ashura as lessons, you know? And you know what, let's say this. Let's do this, in fact. What's one lesson we should take as an individual and what's one lesson we should take as a community? Okay. Um I was I was thinking in a in a like a in in from from a aqida perspective. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are we even celebrating Ashura? What's our business celebrating something that happened, you know, three, three or thirty-five hundred years ago, mm-hmm. three thousand or thirty-five hundred years ago now? Because the Prophet sallallahu said this this wonderful statement. He said, "We are closer to Moses, Musa alayhi than they are. We are Musa belongs to them to us more than he belongs to them." Because we are the inheritor, the inheritors of the message of Musa. Because you know, when when you look at the ayah in the Quran, the two ayat in the Quran, when Allah says, "Inna hadhihi ummatukum ummatan wahida," this is your nation. It's one nation. With all due respect to the the, the scholars that say, "Oh, this refers to the Muslim ummah," meaning the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu But when you look at the context. Whether it's in Surah Al-Anbiya or Surah Al-Mu'minun, this actually comes, this ayah comes after mentioning the stories of the prophets who came before mm. Sayyidina Muhammad wasallam, and continuing to the time. So the, the ummah of faith is mm. the ummah from Adam salam to now. Mm-hmm. So that's why, okay, yes, uh, uh, Musa salam, Allah saved him, Allah and, and Bani Israel. Yeah, the Prophet ﷺ said, yeah, this is for us to celebrate as well. Mm. We celebrate any victory for true faith, any victory for the believers, any mm-hmm. uh, blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed on the believers. And he made it a a, a day to observe, a day to, uh, he said it's one of, uh, one of the, the days of that are honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is... You know, we have to internalize that. That it says uh, we are we are the, you know, we are the followers of Musa and Isa and Dawood and and, and Ibrahim and Nuh and Adam alayhim salam jamian. So that's one one uh, one lesson. To the other lesson is, um, you know, the the idea of stations over the the year or over our life. Allah subhanahu wa taala says what says, salawatul khams the five prayers. They wipe out the, the, the minor sins committed in between. Well, the major ones require a tawbah, of course. Mm-hmm. And salawat al-khams, jum'ah ila jum'ah, from one Friday to the next. And Ramadan ila Ramadan, from one Ramadan to the next. And then here comes, you know, the day of uh, recommended days for fasting, the day of, uh, of Arafah, wipes mm-hmm. the previous and the, the coming year. The day of Ashura, you know, it wipes the, the, the sins of the previous year. So this is the idea of 
stations in our lives and kind of uh, recharging our batteries or however, you know, whatever analogy you want to use. It's like stations that we stop at and reflect. Okay, maybe, uh, okay, I prayed, uh, I prayed the Fajr and then now comes Dhuhr. Maybe when I go to Dhuhr, I have to think, may Allah, ya Allah, please forgive whatever sins I committed in between. Yeah, the, uh, you promised that I'm here, I am, I'm doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, Allah, you know, I am your poor servant, I am your yeah. helpless servant, please give me your promise. And we do that with the other uh, other stations as well. Um, and then we've been talking about, of course, the, the how to stand up to oppression and so on. These are mm -hmm. all um, lessons from, from, uh, from Ashur. No, oh, mashallah. You know, and that's one thing I was thinking about as you were speaking. That's really beautiful about just the sirah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You know, if you look from the beginning to the ending, right? It was almost not even almost. It was him receiving the final message, but also reclaiming the parts that also were a part of this message that were still like a part of it, right? Like Ashura is for the Muslimin. So he takes that, right? Yeah. It's for us. We have to. This is, of course, it's not fard, but you know, it's mustahab. Yeah. It's highly recommended for you. Yeah. To some do. some scholars right. actually say that this was mandated initially. Mm. Because initially, it was fard, uh, and then when Ramadan was uh, declared as the fast, uh, the, mm. the month to fast, then Ashura is like, okay, then it becomes a uh, recommended, or you, you know, either you do it or you don't. So some some riwayat, some of the narrations actually suggest that. I could see that, that was a because... for a, a, a short period of time. I yeah, I because... hadn't realized that until I I recently read about all the narrations and. Subhanallah, because yeah. they after the Hijri and then Ramadan was came the second year after the Hijri. Yes, so yeah. it's like so it maybe right for one year it was mm -hmm. yeah. I, I mean, we we, you know, we have to go back and look at all that. Uh, the narrations in, in, in the Fadl, Fadl Ashura or the virtue of Ashura mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. One thing but... I didn't mention in the beginning is that the name Ashura oh. means it comes from Ashura, from the 10th, right? The 10th. Mm -hmm. So it's Ashura is the 10th of Muharram. Ashura oh, is so. 10 in Arabic. <laughs> oh, mashallah. No, but once again, right, all these beautiful aspects of the religion or of, like you said, the the from the time of Adam alayhi salam, right? It's been the same message, right? Different communities, different people, but with the same one message, right? Believing in the one God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Different rulings. Different rulings, uh, right? That, different that, that, you know, mm. are suitable for the for the time and so on. But this is the final message, Allah. And you see, he, everything was just brought together beautifully. And what was beautiful is like how uh, the conquest of Mecca, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam clears the Kaaba of all the idols, Returns it back to the state that Ibrahim salam had it right. Yes. He, he would have even went as far as to rebuild it to the actual proportions, but that would have caused fitness. So he just left that yeah, alone. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. He said he, he's going to leave it. Then you look at when he even but the that's conquest beautiful. Itself. You know why? Because now it's mm -hmm. much easier to go into the Hijr Ismail, that mm -hmm. part that was originally from the Kaaba that's now outside mm -hmm. the building. So it's not as difficult. So you can get into. Uh, Hajj Ismail, and as if you're standing inside the Kaaba, it's <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> oh, mashallah. And then even like when he conquered, uh, he conquered uh, uh, Mecca, right? He said the same ayat that's in Surah Yusuf about how Yusuf, when he told his brothers today, you guys are without blame, right? Like mm -hmm. it was just beautiful the way the full story comes together and how uh, 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 it just comes to that one message. And like how you were saying, we as Muslims, we can take from Ashura yeah, I mean, to see. The Prophet, no, go ahead. he always. 
he always, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he always kind of thought about uh, what happened to the prophets and messengers before him. When he was, uh, you know, when he was being slandered by the by the hypocrites and so on, he said, "May Allah have mercy on my brother Musa." He actually yeah. suffered. He was even uh, he suffered even more, and he was patient. So he always, and that's part of the the point of of putting so many stories in the Quran. About one third of the whole Quran is is about stories, uh, is to give the this uh, this beat or the uh, the support. That the, the Prophet وسلم, and everyone else needs, you know, to remember what happened with Sayyidina Nuh, what happened with Sayyidina Musa, what happened mm -hmm. with Sayyidina Lut, what happened with, with all these great messengers. And, and then you say, okay, then I, if, if I claim to be on the same path, or I, I, I should follow their example. No, it's, it's, it's very beautiful, mashallah. And then the other part that you talked about with, in regards to, uh, subhanAllah. I kind of got like taken away thinking about <laughs> the example of uh, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But you know, I think that uh, 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 the one thing now that I would like to speak about is because uh, we just spoke about the side of Ashura that is this positive people like to speak about. But there's another side of Ashura, right? Because another incident happened on this day, many, 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 many years after that, and even after the death of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, right? Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu, right? So the the, uh, the the shahada of uh, uh, Sayyidina Hussein. Now, for those who don't know, uh, 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 Sayyidina Hussein is the grandson of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And also on this day, the tenth of Ashura was the battle, uh, or you could say Kar Karbala, right? The massacre or battle, however you want to phrase it, in which Sayyidina Hussein more like a massacre, yes. Yeah. The massacre. It wasn't really a, a battle, right? But the massacre in which Sayyidina Hussein and his Family, some of his family members were uh, given shahada, or they were slayed, they were martyred, um, and that's the other aspect of Ashura, right? Because it happened on his day, and you know that one, of course, like both of them have ramifications on history, both, right? And you can even say the first Ashura, the, the real, the actual Ashura that we're we're commemorating, has a greater ramification on history than Sayyidina Hussein's incident, right? But in terms of the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I would say that's one of the incidents after the death of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that has great impact. And the question now is, you know, because of what happened after it, and just to give people a quick background, you know, the first, Dr. Yusham, feel free to jump in and correct me at any points that I may say something that is like inaccurate or you want to add something. But the first hundred years after the Prophet وسلم, it was very much not stability. Or let's say the first what fifty years? Is it fifty or the first hundred years? I mean, if you talk about stability, meaning a, a, a well-established state that has actually you know has everything kind of working uh, with with some turmoil going on. So, like you know, it's uh, I just mean like the internal strife, like the internal the internal strife, strife started from. You know, people dated from the day of the assassination of Omar ibn al-Khattab. Mm -hmm. That was the opening of the doors of... of opening of, of those doors of those fitness. Fitna. Yeah, exactly. So to not go too deep, and you see it's even like a... So let me just ask this before I even go in there, because I want to give people background to it. Sure. But, Doc, would you say 
Like, at what point and what does the Ummah have to do to get to a point where we can talk about these things that are uh, contentious in our history, right? And also, what are some things we can learn uh, 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 when we discuss about these contentious points from our history as Muslims, right? Because these things have led to different sects. It's led to people dividing. It's it's very, it's not an easy point to talk about as an Ummah, right? These certain segments of our history, you know? No, it's 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 not easy, of course, and um, it. I mean, we have to talk about Muhabbat al Bayt, how we love all, every Muslim, any Muslim who would say would say that that love for al al Bayt is 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 like a, a monopolized by a certain group or whatever. I mean, he doesn't really realize that what what it means to be. A follower of the Prophet Muhammad that's, that's his family, right? So we have to acknowledge that. We also need to acknowledge that you know, and and we have writings from the you know early times, the early centuries of Islam, and until this age about the fitna, what happened among the Sahaba, and following that, the you know what. What 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 caused the 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 the, uh, the the fighting and the division and so on and so forth, and you know what people try to free themselves of, you know, saying uh, like talking badly about one side or the other, the 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 kind of the, the the fair and the balanced and the true scholars, they would always identify the side who was in the right and the side who was in the wrong. In terms of who, you know, Sayyidina Ali, even, even there is a hadith that says, Ammar ibn Yasir, anhu, one of the Sahaba, that he will be killed by the, the, the group who is transgressing. Yeah. And you know that he was on the side of Sayyidina Ali, anhu, and, and he was killed by the other side. So there is no ambiguity about who was right and who was wrong in actually uh, um, in, the, in the sequence of events, right? So we have to 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 always you know to and quote the the scholars from the the Sunnah to actually who actually say who was right and who was wrong because they will all acknowledge that. But what we need to and, and remind me if if I mean if there's other points that you want me to to address here. But what we need to kind of free ourselves from is. You know, I would say to my, 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 you know, for example, my Shia brothers and sisters who actually uh, blame themselves to what happened on for what happened to Imam Al Hussein radiallahu and his and his martyrdom and and that how he, the people around him, you know, most of them abandoned him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Why should you blame yourself for that? That happened fourteen hundred years ago. And whoever Allah says, let us yeah, you know, no, no soul shall bear the burden of another. So free yourself from blame. And 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 then we, you know, when and on the other side, free yourself from you know, like feeling the guilt. These you know, of, of what happened to Imam al, al, al Imam al, al, al Hussein radiallahu This is really this is these are historic events, they are very unfortunate, they're very sad. We know who was right and who was wrong, and we know that that you know uh, it it all happened because of Allah's will. Nothing happens outside of Allah's will. But at the same time, we say this is 
this is al التي على الحق. This is the group that was on the right, and this is the the, 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 the group that transgressed. Now we have to also understand that when 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 the division started, the division was purely political, mm-hmm. and you you can hear listen to lectures about that or read the literature about that. The division was political. It was not aqidah. It was not theological. It was not about the faith. That came later, because you know the the, the leaders of any group would would try to firm up the the cohesiveness of the group, and part of what they they do is they actually introduce ideas and and matters of of faith and matters of aqidah and so on and so forth to actually keep the people together and keep them away from the other guys mm-hmm. to keep them separate that's that's are the extent of what so i think if we can free ourselves from uh, um from those feelings on 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 either side and realize what happened historically and realize that we have to live not just coexist you know that when people look at us from outside the ummah if you will they see one ummah they don't see those differences and they treat us the same and they you know so we have to really learn how to live with one another and to learn to live with one another we have to to come to some ground rules mm-hmm. and you know some scholars have have talked about and 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 great you know scholars on on both sides of the uh, of the uh, uh, you know of of the of the issue or be both groups you know sunnah and shia some great scholars have put you know like what should the, the ground rules be and you know i'm 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 not going to go into into the details but we have to show uh, um you know you, you can't you know if someone is undermining you know for example the the closest of the companions of the prophet that you know can that that's going to be a psychological barrier no 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 mm-hmm. doubt right mm-hmm. if someone is speak, speaking ill of the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen, of the mothers of the believer, especially Sayyidah Aisha, that's going to be a psychological barrier. I, I, you know, we have to put some ground rules and, and, and there are great scholars on each side and from the Shia side, I, 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 this is one of the, the, the most notable scholars, Sheikh Muhammad Hassan Fadlallah, uh, original from Lebanon. He is one of the top of the, of the Shia scholars and he, he is, He's great in the effort that he put to, oh, how can we actually, you know, live together and work together and be one ummah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, I encourage people to actually seek Muhammad Hussein Fadlallah and, you know, look, look him up and see what he wrote and see what he, his opinions are. Just as an example, yani. there are others mm-hmm. throughout the history. Allah. Hey, I like the point that you brought up about uh, we have to have the ground rules, right? Because... You know, I always give that example. If if me and somebody are speaking, right? It, like you can't have a conversation with somebody like this. So me and Dr. Hisham are speaking, and before we speak, I said, you know, I was giving this example about how like examples of bad dawah, right? You and somebody are talking, you say, All right, listen, everything you believe is wrong and you're going to hell. So let me tell you about Islam now. <laughs> like if you start <laughs> off with that, somebody will say, I, I don't want to hear what you're saying, you know, like or if you exactly. say, Oh, you're stupid. Let me talk to you now. So this is why this this then it's like you can't just do that, right? It's you you strike up emotions because people love people on both sides, right? And when you attack somebody, someone loves people react 
in the most harshest way because it's like survival instinct almost, right? And you know, it it, it just it, it like blanks things out. But as far as the um as that conversation, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, w- I was even nervous like asking that question because like you know, you never want to open the door to fitna, right? And you know, we want this Absolutely. to be something that is productive and brings people together and and allows people to have a better conversation about how to move forward, right? Especially in the times that we live in a climax, right? Because we are, it's, it's the world against us, right? Like, or many factors, right? That's against us. Let me not say the world against us, but it's a lot of factors against us and even us against ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And I was just talking to my uh, one of my sheikhs about that. I'm like, as a Muslim, it's almost like, you know, back in the day, the Muslimin would fight the kufar, right? They fight the kufar, uh, 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 we fight. They're going against that. In our time, it's like we fight the kufar and then we fight in ourselves. <laughs> so instead of me being able to focus on one side, <laughs> you got like two different angles that you have to go against, right? You have something that's coming from this way, something coming from that way. So how could we eventually work towards at least putting out the fire in our house so we can be able to go and handle the issues that are on the outside of the house, you know? Yeah. What you say is uh, is, is is true. I mean, we... I mean, we, the fighting in Islam, because you mentioned that fighting in only you fight whoever is transgressing towards you, mm-hmm. right? If that person happens to be uh, of, of a different faith or no faith at all, then you fight them. If the person has to, happens to be of your own faith, you also fight them. I mean, there are ways, there's approach, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran specifies that if two, and, and the beauty is like, you know, he says, if two groups fight, but he said, if two groups of mu'minin, of believers, fight, mm-hmm. right? Which is mm-hmm. saying, this is going to happen. That, you know, two two groups of believers are going to fight. بينهم, and then try to mediate, try to reconcile. Then if someone continues to transgress, then fight that one. Fight the transgressor. Even though he's your own, of your own faith. Mm-hmm. Right? So there is the... the, the, the it, the, the maqsad or the objective here is to establish uh, um, justice, to establish peace, to establish, uh, you know, uh, uh, peaceful coexistence, whatever, you know, like all these, these values that Islam uh, you know, advocates. And whoever the transgressor is, they have to be stopped. Obviously, <laughs> whether they are, not Muslim, they are or not, are not Muslim, you stop them with peaceful manners, peaceful, you know, way and 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 if that doesn't work then stand up for what's right and you know that's the other thing that i think that i wanted to mention that you brought up right about if one side like how the scholars would say this side was in the right this side was in the wrong i think the one thing that affects us now is people take that as almost the equivalent of saying this side was uh uh uh, uh these people were kafir these people were the mu'minin right these people were the believers when that's not the case at all, right? Absolutely you can not. be a believer and be in the wrong, right? Because that's absolutely. Human I mean, the, no. we we learn from history, like Sayyidina Ali, radiallahu anhu, when he was being fought again, fought by the Khawarij. Now we're mm-hmm. talking about before all the, you know, the 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 the, the, yeah, the, I mean, other, the, yeah. the conflict of uh, mm-hmm. you know between him and 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 Muawiyah, Sayyidina Muawiyah. You know, there is really. Uh, um, some people came to him and said, "Are these are these people kufar? Are these non-believers?" He said, "No, they're actually running away from disbelief. They are believe in the meaning like they are believer. 
They are believers. He said, are they munafiqeen? Are they hypocrites? He said, the hypocrite does not recite the Quran and does not, you know, pray with, with you know, whatever. I mean, however he said it. And these, these people are always reciting the Quran. So, and then he, what, what is, what are they? He said, Ikhwanuna bagaw alayna. These are our brothers, our brethren, and they transgressed the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, towards us. That's why he sent, when he sent Abdullah ibn Abbas to kind of debate with them, thousands came back with Abdullah ibn Abbas and, and the rest, you know, who didn't listen to the, and, and then became, once they became back to the camp of uh, Ali radiallahu anhu, they became part of the, of the, of, of, of the, you know, the mainstream of the ummah again. It really is not about, you know, never, you know, people, it, it doesn't cross their mind that the people who are on either side where you have to be either Muslim or, 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 or disbeliever to, to be fighting against one another. That we, we saw that happen in front of our eyes. We still see it. And uh, it's uh, very unfortunate. And, and the Ummah has to uh, collectively do something about it to stop it. Yeah, I think collectively, at least, not, not saying everybody should become a shaykh, right? But at least people at least learn a little more like yourself, how you've, uh, mashallah, did the continuous job of constantly learning throughout your life, as you were explaining to me before, like we uh, uh, started the show, you know, just constantly learning. Because I think, not even I think, I know that learning and learning this material opened up the mind to different options of possibilities and just knowing that, oh, these these things can happen and have an understanding, you know, because even on the, like the elementary level and aspect of things, we should always remember that the fitra of human beings is naturally good, right? Everybody's made mm-hmm. good originally, right? Yeah. Now we have to see what factors are there that maybe corrupt or change this belief, right? And even then they could still return to being good because that's what's the natural default, right? We don't know what yeah, will happen exactly. to inspire somebody to say, ah, you know what? Yeah, uh, Dr. Hisham, yeah, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Let's be good. Let's be fine. But, you know, we're, we're quick to blow up bridges, you know. Just, ah, oh, no, no, never talk to me. This happened like this. You know. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> um, Dr. Hisham, is there anything else you wanted to add before we uh, end off the podcast? Um, no, I just want to thank you and, and, and you know for doing such a wonderful job in running the, the conversation. You know, I was... Uh, you know, I, I didn't want this to be a, a monologue or a, or a lecture. Alhamdulillah, it, uh, it seemed, you know, hopefully that people will see it as a, as more of a conversation, a heart to heart, and uh, and take it that way, inshallah. No, This was everyone, everyone, and who is who is working to to make this uh, happen. Yeah, big shout out to uh, our AV guy and the whole team. You know, shout out Amr. Yeah, you know, probably doesn't want to shout out, but I love bless them. Inshallah. <laughs> I mean, I mean. Anyways, uh, brothers and sisters, just to wrap up, this is uh, we're talking about Ashura. You know, the tenth of Muharram in the blessed month of Muharram, and you know the lessons that we can take from today are, you know, having to walk, uh, to Allah, relying upon Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala through all matters, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, and just knowing that is at all times, and knowing that. From Allah is good either way. Either you may get the thing you wanted or you'll get something better or you wait because this is best for you, right? You never necessarily know what is the outcome. We know, you know, uh, uh, Imam of mine told me, you know, we put in the effort, but we don't determine the results. That is all based upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what he has willed, you know, and whatever he wills, we accept and, you know, we praise him and we thank him for that. 
an opportunity at just uh, doing whatever and just being alive as human beings. You know, it's it, it's very interesting to see the uh, dynamics and the uh, prototype of uh, evil tyrant, somebody that has power, somebody that's blessed with uh, many different things, you know. Many of us, we think if we have these things, okay, yeah, it'll be fine. I'm going to be good. I would do this. I would do that. But you never know, you know. Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't give you this money or the things you ask for because you would be Fir'aun-like, right? You'd be very Fir'aunic. You'd be very bad. You'd be harsh. You wouldn't pray. You wouldn't do the extra things that pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know. And you'd prevent your own self from going to uh, Jannah, right? You'd cut off your own nose, as they say. Or cut your nose despite your face, I think is the saying. Right, I so <laughs> it's one of the never two, heard that like before. <laughs> it, it, it's something like that, right? But yeah. you know, and then seeing the profile of somebody like Musa alayhi salam. Now, of course, he's a Rasul of Allah subhanahu wa taala, right? But still, seeing it, 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 because he's a Rasul, he's one of the reasons why he's even more of an example for us to follow, right? And seeing that this is uh, uh, the way to be, having the patience, having that to walk in Allah subhanahu wa taala, but also being firm in believing and firm in speaking out against the oppression and speaking out against things that are happening wrong in the society and speaking out against uh, 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 the wrongs that your people do, right? Regardless of the price you have to pay, right? Because that's the other part of the tawakkul, right? Being prepared to take and receive whatever comes on the other side of what you do against those uh, who oppose you, you know? And they're also looking at the example of Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, right? Just him... And just reclaiming everything and, you know, alhamdulillah, and sending salawat upon him uh, and thanking Allah, of course, for sending him to us and having him be able to respectively receive this final message and taking all the components and crafting it together, right? And bringing it together for us to have as a complete package today, right? Alhamdulillah, a lot of what me and Dr. Hisham got to talk about, we didn't have to suffer to experience it. We didn't have to fight jihad to get it, right? We got to sit comfortably. We learned it. We get to practice it. We get to pray. We get to be Muslimin the complete way. Alhamdulillah. You know, the other thing, talking about the other aspect of Ashura itself, right? Talking about the things that aren't so pleasant sometimes as an ummah and how to respectfully have these conversations, how not to uh, disrespect people, how not to uh, 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 be harsh to people, how to show your brothers and sisters compassion, Right. And how we can sit down and try to unite and make things better moving forward, especially in a world that doesn't really favor us too much. You know, so once again, I'd like to thank Dr. Hisham for coming. Barakallahu feek. Um, I'd like to thank the team. Uh, we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us and allows us to have basira in this life Amen. and see things truth for truth and falsehood for falsehood. We pray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us to um, have soft hearts to receive uh, uh this basira, to have this basira and soft hearts towards our fellow brothers and sisters and to have that tawakkul in him and that reliance upon him through all times, the good and the bad. And to be able to stand up knowing that we believe in Allah and we say Allahu Akbar and we move forward. We don't care whatever else happens, right? We just believe in Allah only. So next we, we got coming for the next episodes. We have episodes about um, school coming up. You know, a lot of the kiddos. Or the children, I should say, because they say kids are the children of goats, right? <laughs> so we have episodes coming for, you know, coming and talking about school, people starting college, you know, advice is on that. It's going to be really nice, inshallah. It's going to be really fun. Um, the Ashura packs, the revival packs, I think those are going to release. Um, I didn't double check on that, but you'll check that out, inshallah, as well. 
Either way, y'all, thank you for listening to the Remastered Podcast. I'm your host, once again, Brother Abdullah Freeman. I thank you all for joining us. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. See you guys later. Please share the episode.